Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Are you trying to master the game of life without success? There are secrets and strategies to living your best life. We'll share some of them with you on today's show. Take advantage of this series to become an expert at relationships. All relationships. It's time to live the life that you deserve to live. Now, here's your host, Sandra Reich. Welcome to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, a show that teaches you how to live your very best life. Um, if you want to join the conversation today, you can always call in at 1-866-472-5792. Um, very important topic today. I, I must say that both in my practice, my personal life, and in talking to people, I'm just back from my women's retreat, uh, get to spend some quality time with women, powerful, incredible women. And I see over and over again in all those spheres, um, including my own, that our internal critical voice can be a really big issue. Um, and it really can wreak havoc on your life. So... I actually tracked someone down, and I was so excited when I found her work. Dr. Firestone, our guest today, is the Director of Research and Education at the Glendon Association and the Senior Editor of the mental health website psycholiveorg.org. I was reading some of her work, and I was, like, just enthralled. She has written several books, including Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice. Oh, my God, we need that. Creating a Life of Meaning and Compassion, and that's relevant, too, because compassion is really the, I think Dr. Firestone will probably confirm, is the antidote to critical voice. We'll see what she says. And most recently, she's written a book called The Self Under Siege. Um, she's been involved in clinical trainings and applied research in the areas of suicide and violence. And um, they've come up with an assessment tool called the Firestone Assessment of Self-Destructive Thoughts and the Firestone Assessment of Violent Thoughts. Uh, she is uh, really a superstar in this topic, a clinical psychologist in Santa Barbara. Ooh, they're having nicer weather than we are. And a consultant on the management of high-risk clients. And um, she's a big blogger in the field of psychology. So first and foremost, um, welcome to the show, Dr. Firestone. I'm so glad you responded to me. I wanted your expertise. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I was glad to do it, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. So um, I started off the show with the idea that critical voice um, is something that affects each and every one of us. And I have always believed that they start quite early in life, that we adopt them from our families of origin. Is that true? I, I believe it is. I mean, we have been doing a longitudinal study for the last 35 years. And so we've had children born into the study, and we found that children as young as age five can identify critical inner voices. So you're right, it does start early, and it starts not only from the direct messages we get from our parents or early caretakers, but also from the environment um, around us and uh, how our parents feel about themselves. So if we have a mother who calls herself a stupid idiot every time she makes a mistake, it's not that we think she's stupid, we start to feel like we're stupid. Right. And is, okay, so f before I get more into that, uh, I'm curious what drove you in this direction? You're a psychologist. Why were you so interested in critical voices? 
Um, I was interested in critical inner voices because, in, again, in doing this longitudinal study, what we've seen is that, you know, it would be one thing if they were just thoughts, even just thoughts that made us feel bad or worried or scared, but they're actually thoughts that direct our life. Unfortunately, much of the time, people don't really identify this as the enemy that it is, and they let it take control of their life, and that's the part that's been so um, amazing is the power of this. So. For instance, you mentioned our scale about self-destructive behavior. It turns out that what a person is thinking has a lot to do with how they're likely to behave. And these thoughts are not, um, they can present a really dangerous force within each of us. Before you got interested in these studies, did you, were you observing your own critical voice? Sure. I'm, I'm not completely not immune to this. Like you said, I, I found anybody who's immune to having critical inner voices. And yes, they get in our way in all kinds of ways, both in terms of being critical, but also in terms of being self-soothing, but in a way that's giving us bad advice, that's going against what we really want. So like if you're trying to lose weight, there will also be voices that say things like, well, have an extra piece of cake. You've been good on your diet all week. It won't matter. That sounds friendly to you, but it isn't because the minute you eat that cake, then it's, oh my God, you're such a pig. You never stick to anything. You know, so these voices play both sides of the coin. And yes, of course, I personally have experienced this this and I was actually up in Canada in Vancouver once when there was a, a beauty pageant going on and uh, they were asking us to be interviewed because they wondered if um, critical inner voices are enhanced in women and girls when they see these beauty pageants people who are so much whatever more beautiful than them and you know the thing I said is that you know even those beauty pageant contestants have critical inner voices and they were like but they're so beautiful and accomplished I said go ask them and when they did, they all admitted to a lot of critical inner voices. Wow. So it's, you know, it's almost, I would imagine we believe that it would be, uh, we'd have less critical voice if we were beautiful and accomplished, but it probably has no significance whatsoever, I would imagine. No. I mean, I used to have a patient who would was quite a beautiful woman, but when she'd look in the mirror, what she saw was a monster. I mean, her critical inner voice was that she was actually like repulsive. And she believed that far more than what I thought was a more objective view of what I was seeing sitting right in front of me. Wow. So it starts early in life and it can really affect our lives. I know for myself, I'm, I'm not that young. And sometimes, you know, when I sleep a little too late, I still hear my parental voices saying, you wasted the whole day. And it took many years for me to realize, and it was really through my husband saying that what was wasting the day was the critical voice, not the actual sleeping in, um, to identify that that critical voice was causing damage. Because I think we tend to to believe that the critical voice is keeping us on the straight and narrow path. Yeah, I think people think that a lot. They almost talk about it like, if I didn't have this critical inner voice, then I would do bad things. I'm like, no, <laughs> it's actually the critical inner voice that's encouraging you to do bad things. Um, and like your husband, I think, was very uh, astute in his estimation. It really is. It's the time we waste on these critical inner voices that is much more time wasted, where sleeping in could be a very good thing that our body really needs, and it's telling us, I need that sleep. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, you know, I'm in the field and it's taken me so many years to be able to just tell myself, it's okay, you needed that extra rest. I think we underestimated the value of rest. I had European parents and I think that when we're talking about critical voice, we often, you probably, I mean, this is your research, not mine, but again, this very um, type A, get ahead, scarcity, uh, post-World War II mentality is waste not, want not, don't sleep in, you must always work. It's, you know, I meet many, many people who are products of that generation. Um, What they lack is something that you specialize in, which is self-compassion. Didn't learn a lot about that growing up. What is that? Right. I think that's really important because a lot of times people mistake that as feeling sorry for yourself, which is not at all. Um, The idea of self-compassion, which uh, Dr. Christine Neff has actually done a lot of research on, um, and she has a TED Talk about it, is the idea of being kind to yourself and your suffering, (laughs) that everybody's going to have suffering in their life at different times, that that makes us like other people, not different, but we can be kind to ourselves. And there's basically three elements to it. It's um, being kind to yourself rather than judging yourself. Um, It's realizing that you're like other people in your common humanity rather than feeling like you're isolated and different. And it's also being mindful of being able to take a step back that our thoughts and feelings are our thoughts and feelings, but no one thought or feeling makes up all of who you are. These are just things passing through. So you're kind of like, I like the cloud meditation, you're kind of like the mountain, and there's here's these clouds going by. You know, your thoughts, your feelings... You know, they can give you information, but they don't define you. And I think that's one thing that's really important. When we get caught up in our critical inner voices and we're really turned on ourselves, we really believe these things and we believe they define us. It's it's really fascinating to listen to you talk because you brought up judgment. And I was just going to say that is that the critical voice is a very judgmental voice. It lives in a rule book of how you're supposed to live your life. And sometimes it lives in a rule book of your ideal self. I mean, you're supposed to eat broccoli and you're supposed to get up early and you're supposed to get this done. And it's all supposed to be quite perfect, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is, and and that's a lot of our critical inner voices are about that perfection and what you should do. Um, you know, they also a lot of shoulds, yeah. and the reality is, you know, in life we have choices, um, but those shoulds we're never living up to, and there's no satisfying the critical inner voice, so the idea is if you get perfect enough, or if you work hard enough, or if you look perfect enough, that somehow you'll satisfy this, and it never works. So I think that's actually set up for disaster, you know, trying to get to meet up to it. Um, I think the real thing is to have that more compassionate attitude toward yourself, to talk to yourself like you would to a good friend. You know, when a good friend is struggling with something or they eat something other than broccoli or they sleep in one morning, we're more (laughs) likely to say, you probably needed that or, you know what, it's no big deal. You know, you went off your diet today, you can start again tomorrow. It doesn't matter. Um, We're not usually going to say when they go through a breakup, nobody's ever going to love you again. Um, (laughs) That'd be a bit rough. (laughs) It is a bit rough, but we say these things to ourselves all the time. We are by far the meanest person to ourselves. You know, people like to complain about other people, their mates or their friends or their boss. But, you know, we're actually the strongest enemy we face throughout our lives is this enemy inside of us. And every time we give into it and act on that critical inner voice, so stay up extra late and finish that project or, you know, starve ourselves on a diet or whatever it might be, we actually grow the monster. We're feeding it. 
And what I say to people, what you have to do is you have to starve the monster. And the monster isn't going to like that, you know. But when it tells you to do something that's against your own self-interest or to talk to yourself in a harsh way, to just say, no, I'm not going to do that. And when you do that, initially it will get louder, almost like a parent yelling at you to get you back into line. But that if you can stick with the new behavior, it will also start to fade into the background, like a parent that gets tired of nagging. You know, that you, and then you'll have more choices in your life. You'll have a bigger space to live in. So, um, you know, we're just, we're just about to take a break, but this is a really good strategy that you're mentioning to get people started. So what you were saying is that basically if the critical voice is not indulged, it will quieten down. But my question before the break for people to think about, and I'm curious your thoughts, is does everybody know their critical voice or sometimes is step one to find out what your critical voice is saying? I, I think that's often step one, um, is identifying that those thoughts that you just let rattle around in your head are really very critical, and if you pay attention and get them out, you'll see just how um, negative they go, and it's really important to recognize um, that these are not a realistic evaluation of yourself. Fantastic. So as we go to the break, I'm going to ask people to really check in and question what are the critical thoughts that you say to yourself on a daily basis and when we come back we're going to talk about compassion and we're also going to talk about a very interesting point Dr. Firestone brought up which is also sedu- what I would call a seductive voice that doesn't sound critical but actually gets you into trouble we'll be back with the brilliant Dr. Firestone on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. 
change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So we're having a great talk with Dr. Lisa Firestone, brilliant, brilliant psychologist who's done a lot of research on inner critic uh, judgment and also on compassion. And that's really where we were when we took the break is that so step one is to find out what you're criticizing yourself about. I've already admitted that mine is about sleeping in or if I'm not working, if I'm not getting 45 things done, um, my voice kicks in and I have to really talk to it, talk back to it, which you talked about that strategy is getting the voice to quiet down um, and using compassion. So I guess what I want to ask you is how do we differentiate between compassion and indulgence because you talked a little bit about something that sounded like indulgence like oh no it's okay Sandra you had a hard day go have a brownie you know that's indulgence what's the difference yeah what's the difference how do I know (laughs) those are critical inner voices that are suggesting you do things that go against your goals Um, they will also tell you things like oh don't go out with him you know he's not that great you deserve better Um, until there's nobody you know Um, you know, we rule out all kinds of things for ourselves. So the thing is that there are plenty of, of this elements of this critical inner voice that sounds self-soothing. Um, but again, it's like punishing ourselves and then kind of trying to soothe ourselves much as we were treated early in our lives. But both are part of the critical inner voice. And the critical part that part that's very negative toward ourselves and at an ultimate end can lead to very self-destructive behavior, that soothing part that makes us special and better than uh, at its ultimate end can lead to aggressive behavior toward others. So both of them lead to actually disastrous outcomes. What do you mean about aggressive behavior towards others? Well, we did some research on what leads to violence and a lot of the thought processes that lead to violence is first feeling superior and like you're better than or different than these bad others and that makes it okay to be hurtful to them. Uh, it also, this critical inner voice can be made up of thoughts that are very suspicious towards others. You know, in a way that feels self-protective, um, you know, those people are dangerous, you know, those people are bad, you know, that kind of thing. And if you think like that, including picking up sometimes from a mother an attitude that all men are, you know, evil, you know, and these can be very general attitudes that really limit your life and that can lead to bad behavior because if these others are different or bad or dangerous, then it's okay to do bad things to them. And we sometimes preemptively strike when we think we're trying to protect ourselves when nothing's really happened. So these voices actually distort how we see reality. And in that, they set us up for a lot of bad behavior. 
So this is fascinating. I didn't really realize that or that I was not aware of. So would you say critical voice, therefore, plays a role in like the current state of our country, like racism, race relations, these kinds of problems, violence against different uh, social groups? Is that relevant here? Yeah, I think it's absolutely relevant. And, you know, it doesn't help if we have leaders talking about making it okay in some way because they voice things that we might have previously considered unacceptable um, because it supports these these voices in people and these ideas that they have to be different or separate from or better than. And all of that creates bad behavior toward other people. You know, the reality is, Self-compassion is about the fact that we're the same, that all human beings are facing difficult issues, no matter who we are, what are, uh, how much money we have, or what kind of looks we have, or what kind of job we have, or what kind of partners we have, that we're all just human beings trying to get by. And if we see all people like that, that leads to more kindness toward others, more compassion. Um, as uh, Sheldon Solomon, who is a researcher in a field called terror management, or how we deal with our fears around existential issues, says, you know, we're all in the same boat, albeit a sinking boat. <laughs> and I guess it was Stephen Hawkins today who said that it is a sinking boat. We need to get off this planet within 100 years. That's uh, that's that's really something, and I, you know, it really broadens my way of looking at this. You know, I was going to ask you before, and I'm still going to, is what does critical voice lead to? And I think of it in terms. You know, I run an anxiety and depression clinic, mm -hmm. so I think of it in terms of anxiety and depression because critical voice is definitely linked with anxiety and depression. But you're bringing up a very global topic, and you're even bringing up, if you listen carefully to what you're saying, the potential for a leader. I, you know, I didn't mean to get political, but the potential for a leader to manipulate a society, playing on the fears of a critical voice becomes very high. Right, it does. Um, you know, and especially if people feel wronged, you know, or, you know, like they have to reassert themselves to, you know, be more appreciated. Um, you know, so yeah, you can play on those fears. But yes, the critical inner voice, and again, especially the ones that are critical, lead to a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, and at their ultimate end can lead to suicide. And um, I, it's a field I've been working in suicide prevention for the last 30 years. And, you know, it's really important to identify these critical inner voices because otherwise you just believe they're true. And, you know, in all the interviews done with people who have survived their own sometimes incredibly lethal suicide attempts, they all talk about these critical inner voices and how they had really taken over at the time that they took action to hurt themselves. You know, the critical inner voice also plays a role in addictions, partly through that seductive thought process mm -hmm. that we were talking about. You know, have that piece of cake, have an extra drink, it doesn't matter. You're not a drug addict like those other people, you can handle this. Um, and those voices seduce the person into the behavior. Then after they've indulged, they beat themselves up for it, which also doesn't lead to good behavior, by the way. It just leads to more psychological pain and distress, and so you want to do more of the thing that soothes that distress. And so it becomes part of a cycle of addictions. And so we have to get at the seductive thoughts, but we also have to get rid of the self-punishing ones. Neither do us any good. It's very interesting. There's so many levels of what you're saying uh, because we can fool ourselves so easily into thinking that the seductive thought is a compassionate thought uh, when it's not. You know, I have many, many patients who say to me, well, you know, I've had a really hard day, so yeah, like I deserve. And that can lead to a lot, a lot of problems. You're quite right. And I've seen it in addiction. I am curious about the suicide prevention study that you have been on. Um, 
what are we finding out about suicide prevention? What what has your study revealed? What it reveals is that if we want to, if we take these voices to their farthest extreme, that it can it leads to suicide, and that we can identify where somebody is on that continuum. We can also look at when we're treating people, are they making change? Are they moving down that continuum towards less self-destructive thoughts, less self-destructive behaviors, both in the intensity and in the actual type of thoughts? And that when we address those, we can really do a whole lot to help the person um, start to have some more power in their life and choose their own side. You know, you're never choosing yourself um, when you're thinking something like people will be better off without me. Um, and the reality is people also never feel that way, family members who lose people to suicide. So what we're learning is we really have to interrupt this voice process. And again, self-compassion is huge here. It's really important to say what you might think to a friend who is struggling, not what you would say to yourself. So I guess the first step is we have to recognize the critical inner voice. And one way you can do that is by taking one of our scales. But another way you can do it is by looking at our book, Conquer Your Critical Inner Voice. And we also have an e-course about this too that helps you start to identify what are the things that are triggers for you in terms of these critical inner voices. So it might be getting on the scale in the morning. It might be uh, you know, having too much time alone. Um, might be oversleeping. Whatever it is that triggers um, a thought process that isn't kind toward yourself. And, you know, people think that they have to kind of be mean to themselves to keep themselves in line, to change bad behavior. It doesn't work that way. Actually, if you're kind toward yourself, you can look at things and say, you know what? I actually really don't like how I did that. That wasn't a good way to do it. I think I'm going to do it differently next time. Oh, I shouldn't have said that to that person. I might have hurt their feelings. Maybe I should go back and apologize. We can look at the wrong we've done. When we're on the defensive and into our critical inner voice, we can't take any negative from the outside. So we're in a relationship and our spouse has something to say to us. We can't hear it because it just triggers too many other critical inner voices. And we think when they say one little criticism, they're tearing us apart. Then we're going to act all defensive. We're not going to change our behavior. But if we can really hear them, we can evaluate, gosh, do I think that's true? Do I not? How would I maybe go about changing that if I don't like that behavior? So it, it actually, lowering the critical voice leads to like a certain amount of ego strength, the ability to be able to hear it without, you know, the bells chiming on your necklace so much that you, you just have to go into defense mode. That's right. very, very relevant to relationships, that's for sure. Right. And one thing we do is we tend to project our critical inner voices onto other people. So we think everybody at work hates me or thinks I'm not doing enough. Or, you know, if somebody says, you know, not enough's getting done in this office, you know, we think, oh, they're talking to me. Um, or if our spouse says, you know, uh, you know, I don't feel like doing that right now, we might feel like, oh, you know, he, they never want to do what we want to do. You know, they never like our ideas, they're just stupid. You know, I mean, these things are not helpful. And when it comes to relationships, there's a lot of coaching of the critical inner voice, but it's coaching to destroy our relationship. It doesn't help our relationship. Okay, well, you did mention this e-course that you have where people can work on their uh, conquering their critical inner voice. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? What, how does that work? Right. We have um, an e-course that's about the critical inner voice. It talks about self-sabotage and how it, you know, not only are we our worst enemy with what we think, but often with the behaviors we engage in that actually get in the way of us getting what we really want. You know, so we want a new job or we want a new relationship, but we're not even you know, we're hiding out in our room. That you know, very hard to meet anybody when you're hiding out in your room. Um, or for somebody to give you a job offer, it just doesn't happen. Right. Right. Uh, you have to kind of put yourself out there. So it's about taking 
positive risks um, that are in line with what you really want. It also has to do with strengthening, you know, the other side of us, what we would call our real self. Uh, and that's what our book, Self Under Siege, is really about, and really figuring out what is it that really matters to me in my life? What are my values? And am I living according to those? Is my, you know, if you charted my behavior, does it match with what I would say my goals are? Um, and I think that's really important because otherwise we get off course. When we don't think about these things, we often fall you know, to the power of the critical inner voice, and we don't stand course with the things we really want uh, or going for what we really want. And then we're critical of ourselves for not achieving, but meanwhile, we haven't even given it a shot. So if somebody wanted to take this course and work on their conquering their critical inner voice, how, how do they do that? Do they go on your websites? Right. They just go on our website, psychalive.org, uh, and we have um, a course on how to have an ideal relationship, how to deal with the critical inner voice, and we also have one on developing more secure attachment, looking at the early things that happen to your life and how they shape your life. Because what research shows from the theory of attachment um, is that it's not how bad your childhood was that has that much to do with how you parent or how you conduct your romantic relationships. It's whether you felt the full pain of your childhood and made sense of it. Have you created a coherent narrative? And that's what we try to help people do with that course is walk them through the process of creating a coherent narrative. I teach that with Dr. Dan Siegel. Oh, wow. That's amazing stuff. Wow. Definitely. Uh, our viewers are going to want to check that out. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come back. Um, you talked about attachment. I'm definitely going to want to pick that up with you. It's a topic that I'm very passionate about. Um, and also, Dr. Firestone has a gift for us. So we will be right back uh, on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety, featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. 
Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. We're back with uh, Dr. Firestone. I'm enjoying talking with her even on the break so you don't get to hear that part, but I'll update you. Uh, We start to talk about attachment and how it plays out in relationships. Um, Attachment, um, emotional focus therapy, which is the therapy that is used for attachment in couples, is um, empirically tested, meaning scientifically tested, meaning we know it works. And I was telling Dr. Firestone about uh, the couple retreats I do. I have one coming up where we do this kind of work and... um, Attachment is such a powerful thing. And I loved when you said, uh, Dr. Firestone, about the fact that it's, you know, you could have a bad childhood, but it's not the bad childhood. It's how you make sense of your childhood. Can you say a few words on that before we mention your free gift? Sure. Um, that comes from the work in the field of attachment by Mary Main, who developed something she called the adult attachment interview, which is an hour-long interview you do with an adult to really understand their attachment um, style. And, you know, the questions she developed for that ask about our childhood in a way that we don't usually think about it. And we all have our story that we would tell if I asked you about your childhood. But it's not the same thing as sort of getting at some of these memories that have to do with attachment. And when people can make sense of their story, like I said, they can, and based on these questions, then they can be a good parent no matter what kind of childhood they had. They can be a good romantic partner no matter what kind of childhood they had. And so what I was thinking is that Dr. Dan Siegel has written about this in a couple places, uh, mostly for parents, and one on a place was in a book for teenagers. But um, I thought, why don't I asked him if we could teach a course together where we could really help people walk through the steps of how to repair their attachment system so they can develop something called earned secure attachment, where they have that sense of inner security that they can then have better relationships. And that really comes from creating a coherent narrative. And we're going to be doing a live webinar about that uh, coming up soon. Uh, Actually, I think it's May 9th. and it is going to be called Developing Secure Attachment, Making Sense of Your Past to Empower Your Future. Oh, that's amazing. So, again, we, they go on their your website to find out about that? Yeah, that's on our website, Psych Alive. And, uh, yeah, it, it just I really thought it would be helpful to put together for people. So, you know, if you take one of our e-courses, you get videos, you get worksheets to do, you get webinars, um, you get... Uh, articles to read. So you get a lot of different materials and exercises to do each week so that you're working the program but also uh, getting that information that can help you through that process of self-discovery. 
That's amazing. Now, uh, you're very kind. I always ask my guests to bring a free gift, uh, which people can get their free gift by simply going on straighttalksandrareesh.com forward slash free gifts. And Dr. Firestone, you brought a uh, free gift. What is your free gift? I do know. I, we had talked about lots of different things. What are they? I don't know what they did. Oh, okay. I'm I'll, sorry. I'll you, no worries. I'll tell you what your free gift is. Thank you. You, sent, you sent us a very kind and very helpful um, article, a PDF, on how to tame your inner critic. So what's that all about? Right. Well, that's really about, first of all, like I said, identifying the critical inner voice. Then we have people write it down or say it out loud to somebody, but in a particular format. So instead of saying, I'm no good, I'm a failure, I sleep too late, I don't get anything done, uh, we say, we have them put it in the second person as though somebody else is imparting that information to you. You know, you're no good, you're a failure, you never get anything done, you sleep all the time, you've wasted all this time. Because when you do that, <laughs> you get at the motion behind the, the, the thought. These are not just a cognitive process. And that's why it dovetails so well with emotionally focused therapy that you mentioned, because there's a lot of emotion behind these thoughts. And it's not constructive or adaptive emotion. It's actually maladaptive emotion. And it's a lot of anger and rage often against the self. And if you can get that out, you can start to look at it and go, wait a minute. This is no way to treat myself. And so we have people get to the emotion that goes with it and also get kind of to the bottom of it because they start with the thoughts they're aware of on the surface. But what comes up quite quickly is the core beliefs they have about themselves. And then we really ask, you know, where do you think these thoughts came from? Now, the idea here is not to blame your parents. They were real people like yourself who probably were shades of gray. They weren't angels or devils. Uh, but to really have some compassion for yourself, that these thoughts you have didn't come from nowhere. And that's really important. We want to increase self-compassion because that's building your real self. Then we want to look at what would you say back? What's a more realistic or compassionate point of view? What you might say to a friend? So if you've gained 10 pounds, for instance, calling yourself a fat pig doesn't help. But what would you really say? Well, I've put on some weight. Maybe I need to do something about this. You know, some more, what you might say to a friend who is struggling with the weight issue, where you wouldn't just like start berating them. Instead, you'd sort of problem solve with them about what they might want to do. So what's a more realistic, compassionate point of view? Get that down on paper. Um, and then how is this voice affecting you in your life today? What are the things that you're doing based on these negative thoughts, like having the extra piece of cake or having another drink when you're trying to restrict your drinking? And what are the things that you want to do that the voice is talking you out of? So you want a new job, but you're not even putting together your resume. Or you want a new relationship, but you're hiding out in your room. So what would be some steps you could take in your own self-interest that would be going against the voice? Either not doing behavior that's destructive or doing behaviors that are actually going for the things you want in life. And we educate people that you're going to feel anxious if you do this. It's, there's no positive behavioral change without some anxiety. But if you reframe that anxiety as a good sign that you're on the right track, instead of, oh my God, this must be a disaster, so I should stop. Um, you know, yeah. how we frame what that anxiety means are those feelings inside of us. You know, excitement and anxiety feel very similar physiologically. And mm -hmm. if we think of it as excitement, we feel good. If we think of it as anxiety, we feel bad. Mm -hmm. So it's how are we identifying those thoughts and sensations? And how can we sort of weather those storms, stick with the behavior that's in our own self-interest, 
And when we get comfortable with that behavior, then what would be the next step? So now you put together your resume, so maybe you need to send it out. Or you've gone out in public a bit more and you've seen somebody you're actually kind of interested in. How do you initiate a conversation with that person? It's, 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 it's exactly right, a step-by-step plan. One thing, though, there's a couple things that I want to make sure that people understand. Self-compassion is not the same as self-esteem, correct? No, self-esteem is really based on your evaluation of yourself. So when we went through this idea that too many kids had low self-esteem, so you know, even the losing teams would get trophies, <laughs> which, by the way, doesn't build real self-esteem. It, um, real self-esteem is when you feel good about something you actually did accomplish. Um, but it has to be a real accomplishment. If we want our kids to have high self-esteem, we have to help them find things that they're good at and encourage them to do those things, not just tell them they're good even when they're failing. That doesn't help. Now, hold on, that's a very important point. Can you say that again? Because I, I, there's a lot of parents that listen to that show, this show, and I think a lot of parents do do that: is give their kids credit for something that they think that there's no accomplishment. They think that's going to build self-esteem. So, can you repeat that? That was very, very important. Sure. If we want our kids to have high self-esteem, we have to actually help them find things that they're good at, and then. Um, let them feel good about doing those things. We can't just tell them that they're good, you know. When you tell your child they're the smartest kid, um, but they struggle in some subjects, first of all, it doesn't feel genuine, uh, but second of all, it puts a lot of pressure on them. And in the art of the West, we tend to praise accomplishment versus effort. I think okay. it's a lot better to praise your child for effort. So when they mm-hmm. show a picture it's that they've colored, it's not, oh, that's such an amazing picture. It's, wow, it looks like you really put a lot of effort into this. This is amazing. But it's a different thing. We want them to feel like it's worth putting effort into things, um, not like they're the greatest artist in the world. Right, it's because then they grow up thinking they're Picasso until they get to art school, and the art school says, sorry, we can't let you in. Right, so I, I, I think that's so important, what you're saying, is the effort, not the accomplishment. Right, and also, you know, self-esteem, though, is still, even at its best, tied to accomplishment. So if you get into art school, great, then you're amazing, but if you don't get into art school, then you're terrible, and, you know, uh, a lot of high school students have just recently found out whether they got into college, the colleges they wanted. And, you know, that's a very stressful time for people um, because they feel like their self-esteem hinges on getting in or not, especially if they feel like their family has particularly high expectations for them. Um, but the reality is we could always have self-compassion. That's based on just having a kind attitude toward yourself. And, you know, we have tons of people, I'm sure many of your listeners, who think consider themselves kind people because they're kind to others. But if they really listen to how they talk to themselves, they often probably aren't very kind in that regard. And that's why, you know, it's really important to be kind to yourself, that you can support yourself. Yes, we can turn to others for support, but we can also be a support to ourselves if we're kind to ourselves. Oh, I found the right person for the show today. Wow, I love what you're saying. It's fantastic. Um, you know, as we got onto the topic of parenting, which is, you know, again, often a big theme on Straight Talk, and I do want to mention again that if you want to see the PDF from Dr. Firestone, go to straighttalksandarish.com forward slash free gifts and you can get it. Um, Dr. Firestone, before we go to the break, a quick strategy for parents of what not to do to develop critical voice in your children. The biggest take-home message for parents is you have to feel good about yourself. 
that's the tough rub. Because they do what you do, not what you say, I guess. Yeah? Yeah, you have to work on your own critical inner voices because they will pick those up. Now, of course, it hurts kids when we run them down or call them names or make fun of them or, you know, we tell one they're the pretty one and one they're the smart one and the other one, oh, you get the runner-up prize of good personality. That doesn't help. (laughs) Um, So those are some obvious things not to do. But there's also just the issue of... Um, teaching them to be kind to themselves and modeling that. So that when we make a mistake, we say, wow, that wasn't so good, but here's how I'm going to do it differently. Instead of, oh, you stupid idiot. Um, And this really does get passed down. One of the things we've seen in our studies is if you ask somebody just to quickly write down their top five negative critical inner voices, parents and children often have the same exact Parents and children Um, have the same. Stupid unfortunately passes on to her daughters that they're stupid. Now, the mother doesn't think her daughters are stupid, but her feeling about herself comes through. So it's really important that we challenge the ways that we're self-critical. You know, many parents, they'll do anything for their child, but what I'm saying is to do something for your child, you have to do something for yourself. And that it's not selfish or um, taking time away from your kids to do some work on your own critical inner voice. So important, so well said, and also I would say, although a parental issue, also a woman's issue, because we do put ourselves down about our bodies, our image, in front of our children, and they definitely pick it up. I'm so grateful you mentioned that. We'll be right back. We're just going to take a commercial break. Don't go far. We'll be right back with Dr. Firestone on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Spa Munari is a full-service wellness day spa located at the heart of West Island, Quebec. Submerge yourself in beauty with one of our many treatments, specially catered to your needs. We offer facials, manicures, pedicures, hair removal, massages, body treatments, and so much more. Enjoy our ultimate relaxation experience with our spa packages. We offer a men's menu as well. Call us today to book your next appointment at 514-695-5040 or visit us on the web at spamunari.com. That's 514-695-5040 or spamunari.com. Join the therapist who is affectionately known as the couple whisperer, Sandra Reich, on her famous couple retreats and change your life forever. Sandra offers couple retreats in beautiful locations several times a year that can radically change your love life. Couples describe her retreats as life-changing. Regain that loving feeling. Bring your intimacy to a new level and rediscover excitement and joy. Find out more at helpforanxietydepression.com or call 514-796-4357. We all want love and safety. Now you can have it. Call 514-796-4357 or helpforanxietydepression.com. Change your life forever with the latest cutting-edge products for home study treatment for anxiety featuring the clinical director of the Montreal Center for Anxiety and Depression and host of Straight Talk, Sandra Reich. Sandra is joined by top therapist Georgia Dow in this revolutionary anxiety videos therapy series. Thousands of people have benefited from this scientifically proven treatment approach. Isn't it time you chose yourself? Visit anxiety-videos.com right now. That's anxiety-videos.com and change your life forever. 
fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. To connect with the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to info at helpforanxietydepression.com. Now, back to Straight Talk. Here's Sandra Reich. So we're back on this uh, very important and relevant topic of uh, the critical voice and building compassion. Um, I was saying to Dr. Firestone on the break that it really, you know, asking her opinion on is, is it not really a lifetime challenge to, you know, sort of crack your critical voice? Because I think on a bad day, I can fall back into my critical voice. And she was definitely saying yes. And uh, we ended up talking about someone she interviewed. I'll let her tell the story and about naming your critical voice. Are you, can you tell us that story, Dr. Firestone? That was a great story. Sure. Sure. I was interviewing Sharon Salzman, who does work in meditation, and she actually has a new book out about love. But, um, And she was talking about her critical inner voice and how it always, she's the one who reigns on her own parade, so she'll have a certain success. And then, you know, she'll be like, oh, but no, everybody's going to find out you're a fraud. And what she's done is she's named her critical inner voice. She calls it Lucy, after the character in the Charlie, Charlie Brown comic strip. And she'll say, you know, oh, hi, Lucy, there you are again. And when you can do that, it takes a lot of power away from it. It also makes it really clear that it's not your own point of view. And it is a lifelong thing. The more we can identify it and recognize it, um, our critical inner voice, the more we can do to overcome it. But also we can take the power away from it by just recognizing and um you know, that it's there and that it isn't us. It isn't how we really feel. And um, I think that can be very helpful for people. I love that. And I was telling you that in my own life, you know, when I hear something in my head that clearly sounds like my parents, I actually say, oh, hi, Peter. You know, I do the same thing, not with Lucy from the comics, but just saying hello to my parents um, and some of the messages they gave me. Now, I will say to you that I have many a patient who's come into my office and said, and I've given them the research on this, but I'd love to hear your spin on this, that if I don't have a critical voice, I'm going to become lazy and complacent and not accomplish anything what do you say to that I say look well where's the evidence for that let's talk about that that sounds like a critical inner voice in and of itself that's keeping you from working and engaging in this therapy in the most helpful way Um, and is trying to undermine the process so let's really look at that where might that thought come from if you verbalized it in the second person let's try to get to the root of that voice because I think that's a critical inner voice in of itself um, because the idea is that somehow they're going to be this terrible person and the, I don't think there's any evidence for that our critical inner voice actually makes us cynical towards ourselves cynical about others it tells us lots of negative things about other people and how they're maybe going to hurt us or how they haven't been good enough to us or uh any of those kinds of things that actually lead us to really um, not have good behavior. And if we really identify the voices that uh, go into the behavior, like being a lazy, good-for-nothing who does nothing or whatever, you know, those are seductive, critical inner voices. So maybe we need to identify those. So the voices that are telling you that, you know, you'd be nothing without me. If I wasn't writing you all the time, you would never accomplish anything. Um, is one side. The other side of the critical inner voice is telling you, oh, you know, you're writing yourself too hard. You should just, you know, stay in bed. Don't worry about it. That 
also can be part of a seductive critical inner voice. Now, it doesn't mean we shouldn't rest enough. And certainly, if you know, you have a patient where their pattern is to overwork and overworry and overthink things, um, you can point out to them that, is that really doing them any good? Has that made their life better to do that? It usually hasn't. And so what would it be like to actually think of that as a hostile point of view separate from themselves and see, let's just try it for a week and see how it feels. The lazy bum is probably someone with a critical voice who's just given up. Yes, very much so. And beating themselves up about being a lazy bum doesn't make them work harder. (laughs) It just makes them feel more miserable. Um, And then they feel more debilitated to move forward. So I try to identify that critical inner voice that, you know, if I don't criticize myself, then I'll be a lazy bum as a critical inner voice in of itself that's right. sabotaging the therapy. Um, and, you know, just to give them some self-compassion exercises to try for a weekend, let's just see how it works out, if you get more done or less done. That's a great idea to just break it down to one weekend, you know, and if it really backfires, we can talk about that. Uh, But the research, you know, again, when I lost you, I had to jump in there. But the research that I'm aware of shows that people with a lower standard actually achieve more. So actually being kind to ourselves will make us better, not worse. And um, I think it's an illusion we have that we need to beat ourselves up to get to where we want to go. Is that right, Dr. Firestone? Yeah, very much so. And we drive ourselves and drive and drive and drive. And then we're not very efficient at anything that we do when we're doing that either. So that perfectionism, I think, is really overrated. And that, you know, excessive drive to get things done. Um, You know, it often deprives people of the more important parts of their life. And so one really important question for people to ask themselves is, are you living based on what you really believe and with your real priorities and the things that give meaning to your life are they getting the justice they deserve? Or are you spending more time at work because you have this feeling like work is the only thing that's important and maybe that's an idea you got from your parents? Um, because, you know, what people end up missing out on who have that kind of drive is often, you know, that extra moment with a friend, uh, that more time with their children, that, you know, giving enough time to their relationship to keep their relationship good. Yeah, I mean, the brilliance coming out of your mouth is just, it's so relevant to so many people. I cannot thank you enough for coming on Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. Where can people find you if they want to find you? Right. Well, they can find any of the things I've been talking about on our website, psychalive.org. Or if they want to get a hold of me directly, it's lfirestone at glendon, G-L-E-N-D-O-N dot org. You're an incredible woman, Dr. Firestone, and a a brilliant clinician. We're very grateful to you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, you're very welcome, and I really enjoyed talking to you, and I'd be glad to do it anytime. I'd love to do it again. Um, Thank you, Dr. Firestone. I'd like to also thank all our listeners for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, and I'd like to invite you all to come back next week. If you're interested in our retreats, our couple retreat on attachment coming up May 29, therapy or other media that was mentioned on this show or previous shows, check out helpforanxietydepression.com. And don't forget to get your free gift from Dr. Firestone or hear previous shows at straighttalksandareach.com. For the gifts, just put a forward slash radio gifts. 
uh, check out the Facebook page, Straight Talk Sandra Reich. You can leave a question for Dr. Firestone or myself, and remember to like the page. Uh, you can listen to this show or any prior show as a podcast on the website or on the podcast app of your iPhone and on iTunes under Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. And feel free to drop me a line or a question at info at helpforanxietydepression.com. If you are a professional and you're looking for keynote speakers or training on anxiety, depression, emotional regulation, or living a purposeful life, remember that I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education. My name is Sandra Reich, and I promise I'll help you learn to live your best life again next Thursday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, this is Straight Talk with Sandra Reich, and keep your eyes on the stars. Thank you for listening to Straight Talk with Sandra Reich. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and will tune in again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Now, go live your best life.